I like people to approach the world with a sense that they don't know. And so long as you're open to hearing something you don't know, then there's always room for more. Hi, I'm Jessica Janner Castro. This week on Mindful Headlines, and in honor of Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, I share my conversation with Rahul Gupta. He's the Director of Education and Tours at the Wing Luke Museum of the Asian Pacific American Experience. It's located in Seattle's Chinatown International District. I am tired of opening up my phone to news headlines of our people, our elders, brutally shoved, pushed, slapped, stabbed and even murdered. From Hinghe Park in Seattle on Saturday to a corner in Maple Valley on Sunday. Stand up! The sign saying people are not the virus, but maybe racism is. As you've probably seen in the headlines, there's been a rise in anti-Asian hate crimes in Washington state and across the country since the start of the pandemic. Asian Americans, despite living here and not in China, have been blamed unfairly for the spread of COVID. And here's a really troubling trend. In the first quarter of this year, anti-Asian hate crime surged 169%. That's according to data by the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism at Cal State San Bernardino. The issue really came to the forefront after a deadly shooting in Atlanta, where eight people were killed, six of them were Asian women. And I'll ask Rahul how the Wing Luke Museum staff reacted to that news. The staff here has been greatly affected by it. It it makes people very cautious. Um, You hear someone on the street even use the word, uh, go back, and we're running out of the building. We'll also talk about the role the museum plays in the Pacific Northwest with their outreach across the state and entire country. Rahul and I spoke before May 20th when President Biden signed the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act into law, hailed as an anti-Asian crime bill. I didn't get a chance to ask him about that, but I do think our conversation is meaningful beyond a specific moment in time. We discussed the museum's ongoing mission to change the minds of its visitors, to make them more open, interested, and willing to learn. I hope you enjoy our conversation, no matter your heritage. Rahul, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Who is an Asian Pacific American? Well, it depends on who you ask. (laughs) Um, The way the museum sees it, there are related histories and there are related um, circumstances that brought many different peoples from various parts of Asia to the United States to settle, naturalize, or to have children and, and build something. So we are talking a pretty wide swath of geography, but then also a lot of different people. So there's no way to just say Asian. That was always an umbrella. That was always a way to say that there's strength in numbers and that if our populations were too small for our voices to be heard, that collectively we could finally make a difference. So that does pose kind of an issue. Is everyone right now being targeted? No. But have we all been targeted over time? Yeah. So who's being targeted right now? Those who look more Eastern Asian, which also includes a lot of Southeast Asian peoples. Does a racist know the distinction between someone of Chinese descent versus someone of Korean descent? No. Generally speaking, no. I wanted to invite you onto the podcast because the museum is 
a great place for us to learn about our history. And here in Western Washington, particularly in Seattle as well, we have such a large Asian population that it seems like the obvious place to go, right? It's right in our backyard that we can really understand what is happening when we talk about Asian American hate, but also when we look to how we're going to change our mindset on Asian Americans as a whole. And I wanted you to talk a little bit about this idea that when we know more about a subject, we tend to like that subject a little bit more, right? Um, Tell me a little bit about the work you do. Well, you just summed up everything about our philosophy. (laughs) I don't have to say anything else. Um, um, Well, the museum's been around for 50 years. We were named for the first Chinese American uh, city council member in Seattle. Since then, we have expanded to talk about so many different Asian American experiences and Pacific Islander American experiences. And the way we do that now has really evolved. Uh, We see thousands of students each year, aging from kindergarten to postdocs. And we see a lot of uh, professionals coming in for um, DEI trainings, diversity and equity trainings, but then also to understand the context. For example, a developer might come in and want to understand the damage they could do if they develop incorrectly in our neighborhoods. But the way we communicate is through uh, immersive storytelling experiences. We start with oral histories of lived experiences and systematically tie those using uh, documentation, archives, uh, everything, with, including uh, archaeological sites, so that we are not only confirming presence of Asian American populations in their influence within so many different industries, our culture of the Pacific Northwest, our diet everywhere. So we do that through fun tours that hit the public, including um, some pretty innovative during COVID um, cook-along history shows. It's kind of a a cross between YouTube meets the History Channel. And um, they're they're a lot of fun. But uh, prior to uh, the COVID pandemic, we would take thousands of people Uh, through the neighborhood, because part of our purpose is to understand why we want to be an economic driver to the neighborhood, to keep it in place, because keeping things in place is what we're about. So long as you know the story, you can tie it to a lived experience, you can document that in the historical record, and you can see the legacy of that individual's actions. You can't rip them from the pages of history. And we are all over the pages of, let's just say Seattle, for example, Seattle's history. But yet we work with so many schools and districts and we work with folks at the state. Our history books don't talk about us. We might have a blip here and there. So we also produce curriculum. We use all of this research and all of the the, uh, connections through archaeology to change the way students are experiencing their state's history, their region's history. It's funny. I was researching the museum, getting ready for this podcast. And you've said a lot of the things already that I have. You should see my notes because it says virtual tours, exclamation point, chefs, oral histories, you know, Bruce Lee. There's so much that you offer. It's almost daunting. Just the amount of um, resources, not only, as you mentioned, for educators, but just any average person walking through the doors. 
There is so much information in just this building, but then also uh, heading out into different heritage sites around the state. I like, and I think this is what we also try to encourage. I like people to approach the world with a sense that they don't know. And so long as you're open to hearing something you don't know, then there's always room for more. I love being here and my entire team on the education, uh, in the education department, um, the reason they're here is because they're open to finding something out that they didn't know yesterday. I would like to ask you how the museum has fared during the pandemic. Pretty well. Uh, given, <laughs> given the situation, uh, we, you know, we're, we're actually pretty proud. We, like every museum in the area, our, our gut instinct at, at the directorship is, where do we cut labor? Well, we chose not to do it. And we kept everyone in place and we have lost no one in the 12 months that we've been locked down. Wow. In fact, that came with uh, raises. We returned to the community and being a community museum and going back to the oral histories, everything we do is based on those oral histories. Everything we do is guided by what other people live so we can share those experiences. Well, those individuals are also our donors and they're our supporters and they're our membership. So when we turned to them and said, hey, we're, we're moving forward on our values. Will you support us? They doubled down on what they were giving. We didn't expect it. We expected like, you know, come on, people are in crisis, but they still, they still did it. And it is, it was absolutely amazing. And, and we just had our auction and uh, that was very successful too. Long story short, we, um, you know, we opened and closed in October like everyone else, but we had to retool what we did. And in a weird way, my job, I've become kind of a, a producer rather than <laughs> an education director. And since so much of what we do is now online, training teachers around the country in content and in practice, which is also another layer of what we do. Um, but then also participating in national symposia um, on racial hatred and uh, the immediate uh, turn against, in particular, what people assume to be Chinese, but they're Chinese Americans. When people come into the museum and you're the education director, do they say, you're not the Asian I was thinking of? <laughs> all the time, all the time, until they start hearing, not only me, I mean, my, my, my entire team is made up of, we are, we are indicative of the pan-Asian set of educators. Uh, and Pacifica. I mean, we, we, we are, we embody that. And I think a lot of times people don't know what to do with it. But that's why? okay. <laughs> well, um, why is it okay? Or why? No, I mean, I think that right now the narrative, right, when we saw the Atlanta spa shootings, I think the narrative in the U.S. has been, well, there have been a lot of movements, stop, Asian American Pacific Islander hate. That's great. And I think that that is educating a lot of people about what it means to be Asian. But immediately, I think a lot of people associated with East Asians. Yes. Um, and given that that's the focus, again, that they are the targets, 
it's the rest of us who stand with them. That's the Asian umbrella, Asian American umbrella. You 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 recognize um, that it it may not be coming at you this time, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to come at you again. And so long as we can recognize when that happens for each other to 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 stand with each other, that's what the, the museum really focuses um, our efforts on. But that includes Black Lives Matter. That includes working in solidarity with African-American community here in Seattle and around the state for a long time, working with Native Americans for a long time, because that has always been the priority. There is strength in numbers, but there's also has to be a recognition of shared experience, not identical. What I went through is not the same as what, say, a Duwamish person has gone through. No way. But can I recognize similarities in those experiences enough to say, yeah, when they come for you, I'm with you. I will stand next to you and vice versa. What did you feel? And maybe you can share how the staff reacted as a whole, but what it, how did you react when you saw the Atlanta spa shootings in the headlines? Um, I teared up. If people understood how vulnerable we've made that particular part of our populations, the kinds of businesses we assume they are, and then the devaluing of them as people, as women. It's, it's overwhelming. And, um, and no, I'm not that side of Asia. The staff here has been greatly affected by it. Um, during COVID, we did have one of those neo-Nazi groups coming and plastering our neighborhood with graffiti and stickers and uh, intimidating seniors as they're walking down the street. And so this lived experience, these are our people. And besides, aren't they our people anyway? You know, aren't we all Americans for Christ's sake? Like, isn't that the idea? But if it's not, then we can continually to describe them as foreign as something lesser and systematically devalue what was done to them. Murder, assassination, specific, you know, they, they, they were targeted. You know, the staff, the, everyone's affected. It, it makes people very cautious. Um, you hear someone on the street even use the word uh, go back and we're running out of the building and we're not the only ones. People are coming out of the buildings to see not just to gawk, but to stop it. And though there haven't been physical confrontations and there have only been a few arguments that I've seen, things have been diffused for now. Let me ask you this. Did the museum staff see this rise in anti-Asian Americans coming? I, I, I hate to say this, but it's never a surprise. Why? It's a dis- because it happens all the time. This isn't the first time we can track back between 9-11 until now. There was another rise in, in anti-East Asian appearing populations. But immediately after 9-11, myself included, received death threats and everything else. And that wasn't the first time that happened to folks who look like me. That happened every time I could go through uh, Iran hostage crisis was the one that really stuck out for me as a kid. And then the PLO actions, but then you also had the buildup, Reagan bombing Libya, Persian Gulf One, 
they all in my lifetime have led to racial backlash. Well, think about the other Asian populations. In the 1980s, you had uh, anger against Japan for becoming successful, turned towards whoever appeared to be quote unquote Japanese. And I can keep going. We can go to the Second World War. We can track before that to violence against Filipinos. We can track to before that violence against South Asians and Chinese and and it keeps going. How do we combat that? Is it as simple as saying uh, just people need to be more educated? I mean, we talk about how many different peoples are under the quote unquote Asian umbrella. And then you have, you know, the same thing happens with Latinos, right? There's so many different cultures. Is it a lack of understanding the world, um, world history that maybe we need more of in our schools? What is it? Yeah, I think, well, world history is always, I mean, yes, I think, I think Americans in general need to get a sense um, that they're not alone in the world. And they, whoever they are, when they look at themselves in the mirror, are not the only people in this country. And the lived experiences of people do not match you personally, nor do they match your family exactly. And that's a tough, that's a tough thing when there's so many, uh, what we'll call them voices, telling you not to go there, to stay exactly where you are. And I think that this idea of polarization, you know, it's, it's a euphemism for an acceptance of racist ideology. And I think it hurts people who are on the outskirts of that thinking who might also be questioning whether or not what they're doing and how they're behaving and who, you know, how they're reinforcing it might be a problem. And I don't think you can change everyone's minds. And I don't know that you, you, I don't think you can change everyone's minds, but I think there are populations you can connect with. But I want to say this, and I'm not saying this is where you were going, but this idea that we are, uh, we, everything would be solved if everyone was more educated. Educated how? Because the, uh, the, the first place people go is, you know, a higher education degree. It took me a long time to finish my bachelor's. It took me a long time to decide to go back for my master's. Other people choose not to do those things. Does that mean they're not as educated? Not in, not in our world. Not in, in, I mean, no, it, it's not a degree. It's not this academia. It's that give and take and how, how far you're willing to offer and how far someone is willing to accept. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I don't necessarily equate education to a degree, but I do think this idea that we are more curious about the world around us and that we are, you know, valuing things like reading, whatever kind of reading you might want to do, right? Like I could be more educated, certainly in in music and all sorts of subjects that I'm no, no expert in, um, but I think I'm willing to some time into into just exploring different subjects. I think a lot of that comes from childhood. I know you do a lot of work with children, and I believe a lot of curiosity comes when you're a child, right? And valuing and pushing our children to read things that are outside their comfort zones and explore new topics, because the reality is we won't be able to travel everywhere to every corner of the world, but we can find some information in books and literature and um, what you do in the museum, right? Shared oral history. How about YouTube? 
YouTube. How about social media? And, you know, there's a, there's a place for that to spark an interest. Now, if you live only in there, then, then you're not pushing yourself. So I agree. It's a willingness to open yourself up, but it's also a willingness to push yourself there. And especially when it's uncomfortable, especially when it's uncomfortable. Those are the moments, I think, that people educate themselves when they really do hit that moment of discomfort and they don't just run away from it. And speaking of discomfort, Rahul told me not everyone steps into the museum with an open mind. He says he practices finding common ground, finding even a small connection with another human being that allows him to educate. Here's an example he shared with me. So there was a gentleman who came in from out of town. I don't remember where he came in from. And he, this is leading up to the 2016 election. And he was rude and he was mean and he was uh, saying some pretty horrible stuff. But I don't kick people off a tour or a field trip or out of the museum for not agreeing. My job is to get them to kind of snap out for a moment so they can go, oh, wait, internal monologue flawed, you know, whatever. So he and I were talking and the whole group was there and I knew he was coming at me personally. So I deflected to the group and we brought everyone in to start talking about personal experiences, our own lived experiences and uh, to connect with, you know, who came over here first, because if you're not indigenous, you came from somewhere, but not everyone who came here is an immigrant. I, my people didn't, do not have a history of coming over here and being enslaved. That is such a distinctly American experience that you can't say, well, they're immigrants. No, no. It's a very different experience. So here was a gentleman, and he starts telling me about how his family came and settled in Nebraska on some land. And he starts describing the house. And I was like, oh. And somebody goes, oh, like Little House on the Prairie. And he goes, yeah, that's kind of, and then based on what he was saying, I could figure out that his family was Mennonite. And so I said, so so is your family Mennonite? Were they coming in? Were they already, you know, used to agriculture, blah, 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 blah. He goes, yeah. How did you know? I said, because I read history. And he lit up. And all of a sudden he was open to conversation, still very clear he didn't agree with some of the, the, the conversation, the dialogue that was happening, and, but his whole demeanor changed. That's, in essence, what we are about, is can you look somebody in the eye who would otherwise disagree with you or under circumstances harm you and get them to relate to you rather than trying to relate to them? And so that's, that's kind of what we do. I, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like there's, there's just so, there's so much. And it maybe reiterates the point of why studying history and studying where we come from and hearing different experiences with so many different people and, and backgrounds, you know, um, why it's just so important and why we can just expand our minds so much more because, like I said, I don't even know where, where to begin or end this conversation. <laughs> um, yeah, I keep thinking, like, there's been a thread through all of this for me, and that is, what kind of people do we want to be collectively in all our differences, in recognizing where we are similar or shared uh, experience, share experiences? Who do we want to be? 
And if you can answer that, I just want to be me and like my people. And I'll define that very succinctly and, and, and tighten it. Okay. But then there's millions and millions and millions of other Americans who don't define who they want to be that way. And we can point to those who do and act as if they are the norm. Well, so long as we're acting as if they're the norm, they will be the norm. And I would argue that we are beyond that and that the norm has shifted. And maybe that's what's so frightening for so many uh, people with, with that kind of literally racist circle of wagons kind of fear mentality. But I think there's more of us who want to be someone else. I love that you say that because it goes down to who we want to be. If I want to be someone that is loving and compassionate, then my actions will follow suit. And if I want to be someone that is of the world, then hopefully my actions would follow suit, right? Yeah. Well, let me thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having us, uh, me, but also the museum. Um, I, I, I would be irresponsible if I didn't say other uh, cultural organizations and cultural institutions like ours do solid, similar work. And um, there's a lot here in Seattle to wake us all up. That's it for this week's episode. Once again, that was Rahul Gupta from the Wing Luke Museum in Seattle. In the show notes, you can find links to the museum, other educational resources about Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, and a link to an article on king5.com which shows our extensive reporting on this topic. I'm Jessica Janner Castro, and you've been listening to the Mindful Headlines podcast. My goal with each episode is to understand how our minds influence current events so we can better understand our world inside and out. Make sure to subscribe for more episodes and please share with your friends and family. See you next time.